Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Oh, it's David Cox. Uh, you peaked there in every sense of the word. And I'm Josh Matheson. So this week we are looking at chapter seven of Treasure Island, which is I go to Bristol. Do you? Right, isn't it? Well, no, I'm not going to Bristol. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that is what it's called. And we've just entered part two of the book as well, because this book is also divided up into sections, which is called The Sea Cook. Now, obviously, anyone who knows Treasure Island probably knows exactly who that is. So last week was a little bit of an admin chapter. We had a lot of kind of like talking with Dr. Livesey and the squire who turned out to be, what was his name again? Trelawney? Trelawney, yeah. Yeah. And he's basically like a seaman. And so they open up the papers that they found in the captain's pocket and they've found a treasure map and then a ledger of all the things that Blackbeard the pirate has stolen over the years from all of the ships that he's robbed. So we believe... Billy Bones. Billy Bones. Wasn't it? It's all the stuff that Billy Bones has nicked over the years. I don't think it was Blackbeard. No, I thought it was... They mentioned Blackbeard. Oh, no, it's Flint. Oh, Flint. Flint. Have you heard of this Flint? Sorry, so it's Captain Flint's booty... But the reference was Blackbeard was a child compared to Flint. Can someone send a picture of what Captain Flint's booty looks like? <laughs> <laughs> a sort of uh, Kim Kardashian type expose yeah. photo. Uh, yeah. Nicki Minaj butt implant photo. <laughs> With like a stack of gold coins on it rather than a champagne flick. Yes, yes. Going, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just still the tricorn hat on, obviously. Uh, the tricorn hat over his tuppence. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, I'd love he's to got one tuppence in his locker so yeah sorry so they're going after captain flint's treasure and they've got a map and they've got a a weird kind of key of like tall tree spyglass bearing of skeleton island 10 feet silver bar it's all a bit kind of yeah it's all a bit kind of crack the codey to kind of find where yeah. this place is but it's obviously an enormous amount of money and dr livesey is quite worried that somebody in the room's gonna blab and then people are gonna find out what they're after and then the pirates or someone else will try and steal the treasure that they are gonna set off for they're gonna be putting a lot of a lot of faith in this bloke's cartography skills yes <laughs> just gonna whack it up <laughs> no it's true it could look the island could look nothing like how it does. Like, in yeah, that's life. A, that's en- that's enough for me to go on a ship, which, by the way, in these days was quite a risky thing to do. Uh, I think <laughs> most people eventually died at sea. Mm. Um, yeah, I reckon that's enough to go on. Yeah, now, we don't know the scale of this island. It could be the size of Brampsea Island, Pool Harbour, or it could be the size, the size of, of America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere somewhere in Min- in Min- Minneapolis, around there. Just, I'm. You know, actually quite amazed how people used to draw maps before there was air travel like how on earth do you know what an island looks like from the sky when you're walking around it i don't understand how you could get it like you could you know when it's a a clear day and you're on the coast and you know if it like curves around you can you could like surmise a guess um they did used to do that though before they they worked out how to do longitude using Mm. clocks um they just used to have charts of all the coastlines Mm. so a lot of a lot of navigation, particularly as a lot of it was Mediterranean based, they used to just have to hug the coastline. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, use that, the stars. If you, if you go to the uh, Greenwich um, Royal Observatory, you'll find all about the longitude problem and how ships used to navigate. Thank you. Oh. Uh, although the longitude problem was solved by this point, so going across rather than up and down wouldn't have been too much of an issue. Right, Whereas okay. people like Christopher Columbus were just guessing. Uh, well, yeah, hence ending up in hence America. why he was supposed to go to in- Yeah, he's supposed yeah, to go yeah. to... He went the complete so wrong again. way or went past it <laughs> and carried on going and came, <laughs> came around again. <laughs> he who knew? Who knew? Because obviously we had like, you know, when we did uh, Animal Farm, we had Matt's political nouse. Yeah. And uh, we always have Josh's uh, voiceover in English garb. Who knew that the uh, tidbits and facts and garbs <laughs> of wisdom would be coming from my end on this job? Yeah. So the cartographic information is coming from, from Definitely. David. And we're not. Yeah. I do like maps, to be fair. They interest me. So where we left off was basically that Trelawney went, right, I can get a ship in three weeks, two weeks, ten days. Ten days. <laughs> he was bartering with himself for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and, and they are heading like, to Bristol. Me, you won't tell anyone. Yeah, and I mean, it was quite a uh, sinister, not sinister, but ominous ending with it. was ominous ending with the... Um, I'll be as silent as the grave. Do you know what I mean? So it was like yeah. obviously trying to ramp up the tension here after quite an admin chapter. So so we find out what's in Bristol, apart yep. from very nice coffee shops and a very pretty little industrial dock. <laughs> well, that's all that's there now, isn't it? And that horrible club they've got there on the coast as well. So, and a lovely art scene, it has to be said. Yes, it's true. Mm. Chapter 7. I go to Bristol. It was longer than the squire imagined ere we were ready for the sea, and none of our first plans, not even Dr Livesey's of keeping me beside him, could be carried out as we intended. The doctor had to go to London for a physician to take charge of his practice. The squire was hard at work at Bristol, and I lived on at the hall under the charge of old Redruth, the gamekeeper, almost a prisoner, but full of sea dreams and the most charming anticipations of strange islands and adventures. I brooded by the hour together over the map, all the details of which I well remembered. Sitting by the fire in the housekeeper's room, I approached that island in my fancy from every possible direction. I explored every acre of its surface, I climbed a thousand times to that tall hill they call the Spyglass, and from the top enjoyed the most wonderful and changing prospects. Sometimes the isle was thick with savages with whom we fought, sometimes full of dangerous animals that hunted us, and in all my fancies nothing occurred to me so strange and tragic as our actual adventures. So the weeks passed on till one fine day there came a letter addressed to Dr. Livesey with this addition. To be opened, in the case of his absence, by Tom Redruth or young Hawkins. Obeying this order, we found, or rather I found, for the gamekeeper was a poor hand at reading anything but print, the following important news. Old Anchor Inn, Bristol, March 1st, 17 blank. Dr. Livesey. As I do not know whether you are at the hall or still in London, I send this in double to both places. The ship is bought and fitted. 
she lies at anchor, ready for sea. You never imagined a sweeter schooner, a child might sail her. Two hundred tons, name, Hispaniola. I imagine that's what her horn plays, and she's got like festival music and kind of lovely bouquets of flowers. And Do you know what Hispaniola is? No. It's an island, and it's the island that contains the nations of the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Ah. Because oh. you know, like, that island is two countries on one island. So it's right, a yeah. subcontinent. That island is called Hispaniola. There you oh, go. Genius. Fun uh, facts, boring people to death. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, okay, but every time I say the name of the ship, I'd like to hear some sort of fanfare, please. Thanks very much. Okay. Okay. <laughs> For the rest of the novel. And if you forget, then you lose points. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got her through my old friend, Blandly, who has proved himself throughout <laughs> the most surprising Trump. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine the most boring gentleman ever? Hello, I'm Blandly. (laughs) My name's Blandly. The name's Bland. Pete Blandly. (laughs) It's a great name. That's very Dickens, though, isn't it? Where they're where they're almost yes as their personality. I think he'd be a little bit more cryptic though than that, wouldn't he? Yeah, it is a bit on the nose, isn't it? You'd call him like Godwin Pencilworth or something. Yeah, rather than just like, this is Jeff Boring Man. (laughs) (laughs) Godfrey Dullard. (laughs) Robert Misery. Yeah. Martin Yawnfest. (laughs) He's from from Amsterdam. This is a fun game. Um, I, I had a thought. I had a thought about the Hispaniola thing. Can we have an accumulated thing that is basically fastest finger first from me and Matt? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 and it, it, I'll it, tell you who I heard first through my uh, <sighs> internet. Yeah. I, although mine's normally quite delayed, so I'm not going to win anything. Sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the admirable fellow literally slaved in my interest, and so I may say, did everyone in Bristol as soon as they got wind of the port we sailed for? Treasure, I mean. So he's told everybody. <laughs> what he's literally told. He's like, guys, 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 I need a boat because we've found a treasure map. Look, and we're going, and it's like, go literally treasure. what they said, don't oh. do. Oh. Break, your, break your oath there. What an absolute, absolute idiot. Wah, wah. <laughs> an absolute. Because I was sitting there going, okay, so if all three of them, like, keep it quiet, apart from Jim, who's the link to the Admiral Bembo, they wouldn't be able to kind of stay on the trail of this paperwork. So I was thinking like, how on earth are the pirates going to find out where they're heading yeah. and how to get there? Like, and, and now we know he's been blabbing all over Bristol that they've yeah. got a treasure map. Okay, fine. What you're basically saying here is we should have renamed Trelawney to be like Christopher Numpty or something like yes. that. Yes. Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Red Ruth, said I, interrupting the letter. Dr. Livesey will not like that. The squire has been talking after all. And then we get the voice of Tom Redruth, the gamekeeper. Ooh. Groundskeeper Willie. Josh, do you know, I really hope you do. Do you know the song, Donald Wears Your Trousers? I don't. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I don't think he says a lot. Okay. I don't think the gamekeeper says uh, a lot. I don't care. I don't care because I want you to do it like this because what, what what we like to do is we like to bounce off each other and this is what's happening. So Matt has suggested the accent and I right. think we need to go further. 
Can you hear that? Yeah. Oh, I know this song. From the Isle of Skye, I'm no very big and I'm awful shy. And the lassies shout when I go by. Honey, where's your trousers? Can you do, can you speak, but almost go like, because it is quite sea shanty like anyway. Yes, it is. Well, who has a better right? Growled the gamekeeper. <laughs> a pretty rum go with Squire the doctor for Dr. Livesey, I should think. <laughs> it kind of works. It came out. It came out. At that, I gave up all attempts at commentary and read straight on. Blandly himself found the Hispaniola. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, God. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's great is that Matt will probably have cut a lot of the, the fluff between the, when I introduced the game and now, and it will just look yeah. like you've got a really short memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> and by the most admirable management, got her for the merest trifle. There is a class of men in Bristol monstrously prejudiced against Blandly. They go the length of declaring that his honest creature would do anything for money. That the Hispaniola belonged to him. Thank you, David. (laughs) (laughs) And that he sold it me absurdly high, the most transparent calumnies. None of them dare, however, to deny the merits of the ship. So far, there was not a hitch. The workpeople, to be sure, riggers and whatnot, were most annoyingly slow. But time cured that. It was the crew that troubled me. I wished a round score of men in case of natives, buccaneers or the odious French. And I had the worry of the deuce itself to find so much as half a dozen till the most remarkable stroke of fortune brought me the very man that I required. I was standing on the dock when by the merest accident I fell in talk with him. I found he was an old sailor kept a public house, knew all the seafaring men in Bristol, had lost his health ashore and wanted a good berth as cook to get to sea again. He had hobbled down there that morning, he said, to get a smell of the salt. I was monstrously touched, so would you have been. And out of pure pity I engaged him on the spot to be ship's cook. Long John Silver, he is called, and has lost a leg. But that oh. I regard, but that oh. it's a giveaway, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> not if you don't yeah. know who Long John Silver is. I mean, if you never, you know, oh no, that's true. Said, beware of the one legged person, like, yes, it's true. But this that, is like, obviously just... meant to be a you know, the Easter egg thing. He's obviously decided he wants to reveal here that the guy's it's the guy it's, that they're yeah. looking for. I thought they would wait a bit longer mm. because. Well, I don't know, actually, because, again, I do not remember this book well enough if, if like, his true colours will come shining mm. through until a bit yeah. later on. Uh, or is he just going to be a bit of a... Uh, it just could, so be, and so. could be another bloke with one leg. It could be. It, it could, could be, be Long Joan Silver. And <laughs> <put him> <laughs> yes. And yes, the first female yeah. antagonist. <laughs> That's a really lazy I thought you were going to say Long Joan Silver was like a trans woman or something. <laughs> when you're yeah. saying that. Well, just because think... now now it's been revealed. I mean, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's gonna ruin it for for Josh, but I don't care. Obviously, <laughs> in the Muppets movie, it's it's Tim Curry who then also played Frankfurter in the Rocky Horror Show. So I'm imagining oh, Frankfurter with one leg and a pirate's hat. Oh, oh. 
Oh my god, that's the voice. That's the voice. What, when he speaks, he's got, Frank to be, he's got to be Dr. Frankenfurter. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. How do you do it's that? Magic. See, you've met me. Oh, my. darling. I see you've met me. <laughs> yes. Long John Silver, he is called, and has lost a leg, but that I regarded as a recommendation since he lost it in his country's service under the immortal hawk. He has no pension, Livesey. Imagine the abominable age we live in. <laughs> we return into it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much there now. Is, is that, that what we're going to have to do? The case? We're just going to have to. Go, we're going to have to. We're going to have to go and work on a risky ship. Yeah, to try and get some sort of pension. Find, basically, millennials are going to become cruise ship workers in their old age. We're all going to be seventy, and we're going to be doing blooming variety <laughs> shows and teaching macrame. I don't remember Royal Caribbean plundering other ships. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's, it's the freedom of the seas wave. <laughs> Get the cannons out. I'm Agnes and I'm from Bath. <laughs> I've just been around the med and now I want your gold necklace. <laughs> well, sir, I thought I had only found a cook, but it was a crew I had discovered. Between Silver and myself, we got together in a few days a company of the toughest old salts imaginable. Not pretty to look at, but fellows by their faces of the most indomitable spirit. I declare we could fight a frigate. Long John even got rid of two out of the six or seven I had already engaged. He showed me in a moment that they were just the sort of freshwater swabs we had to fear in an adventure of importance. I'm in the most magnificent health and spirits, eating like a bull, sleeping like a tree, <laughs> yet I shall not enjoy a moment till I hear my old tarpaulins tramping round the capstan. See what ho! just graze. They just, like, they just stand there and graze much like a cow. Like, well, uh, just, he, he just trying to show off as well? Just like, you know, you're not writing home to your mum. Why, you know, that's the sort of stuff you write home to. Yeah, yes, mum, I'm eating enough. Yes, I'm, well, I'm getting to yeah. bed early enough. Yes, you know, duh, 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 you know, that, that's the sort of stuff you write to them. Not, I mean, I suppose he is a doctor, but like, I don't think he needs to know that. He doesn't, he doesn't know that. No, TMI. Yes. Hang the treasure. It's the glory of the sea that has turned my head. So now, Livesey, come post. Do not lose an hour, if you respect me. Let young Hawkins go at once to see his mother with Redruth for a guard and then both come full speed to Bristol. John Trelawney. Postscript. I did not tell you that Blandly, who, by the way, is to send a consort after us if we don't turn up by the end of August, has found an admirable fellow for sailing master. A stiff man, which I regret, but in all other respects a treasure. Long John Silver unearthed a very competent man for a mate, a man named Arrow. I have a boatswain who pipes, Livesey, so things shall go man-of-war fashion on board the good ship Hispaniola. Ay ay ay! Thank you, Matt. Oh, <laughs> good ship, lolly, it's sweet to the candy shop where bonbons play. On the sunny beach of Peppermint Bay. Oh, that was lovely. I enjoyed that. That's why he missed the cue, because he was too busy singing that song <laughs> in his head. He was. He was. I forgot to tell you that Silver is a man of substance. I know of my own knowledge that he has a banker's account, which has never been overdrawn. 
He leaves his <laughs> wife to manage the inn. And as she is a woman of colour, a pair of old bachelors like you, and I may be excused for guessing that it is the wife quite as much as the health that sends him back to roving. Oh, wow. JT. <laughs> PPS, Hawkins may stay one night with his mother. JT. You can fancy the excitement into which that letter put me. I was half beside myself with glee, and if ever I despised a man, it was old Tom Redruth, who could do nothing but grumble and lament. Any of the under-gamekeepers would gladly have changed places with him, but such was not the squire's pleasure, and the squire's pleasure was like law among them all. Nobody but old Redruth would have dared so much as even to grumble. The next morning he and I set out on foot for the Admiral Benbow, and there I found my mother in good health and spirits. The captain, who had so long been a cause of much discomfort, was gone where the wicked cease from troubling. The squire had had everything repaired, and the public rooms and the sign repainted, and had added some furniture, above all a beautiful armchair for mother in the bar. He had found her a boy, as an apprentice also, so that she would not want help while I was gone. That's actually very nice of him. Like, yeah. For them to like make sure that Jim didn't feel guilty about leaving, like his mum in dire situation with like a wrecked inn where pirates have just ransacked the whole place and no help. Like it's they've good. Given that... her a, they've given her a work experience, and they sent in Lawrence yeah. Bowen to do the place up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and they yeah. bought her a nice chair. You know, yeah. she's living life. It was on seeing that boy that I understood for the first time my situation. I had thought up to that moment of the adventures before me, not at all of the home that I was leaving, and now at sight of this clumsy stranger who was to stay here in my place beside my mother, I had my first attack of tears. I'm afraid I led that boy a dog's life, for as he was new to the work, I had a hundred opportunities of setting him right and putting him down, and I was not slow to profit by them. So, so basically, Jim went, yeah, I wanted every opportunity to make him look bad <laughs> because he's replacing me. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Just making sure he doesn't outdo him at the job. Lovely photo. I'm loving the, um, yeah, I'm loving the stick with the hanky and the tricorn hat. Like, it's a good old. Oh, yeah. Did no, I mean, they had bags in this time. I don't know why people just didn't think of inventing a backpack. Like, why, why the stick and the hanky? Like, what, what purpose? I don't know. Um, Don't know, Matt. It's weird, isn't it? They had sacks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, even, even Wallace uh, Gromit uses one in, uh, a uh, in the wrong trousers. Do you remember when the penguin sort of replaces him as a? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he does when he leaves. Yeah, on. and he like leaves, and he's got his yellow anorak, and he's got his knapsack, and they've got yeah. this sort of sad music over the top. But it's like That's a trope, though, isn't it? I took one of those to school once um, for for Victorian Day. Again, right. oh. I thought the Victorians had more a- adequate bags. I did, yeah. Um, but I was sent off to school with my little thing on a stick, and inside was a hunk of bread and a hunk of cheese. Nice. And I had to carry around Wine. This, <laughs> this ceramic tankard with a with a with a cork in it that had my water because that was what we had. I reckon um, international listeners, in fact, anyone that's not from England, find the idea that we dress up as like war kids or like Victorians yeah. is absolutely nuts. Yeah. It's yeah. just like what, like 
like I remember telling um, Rachel my other half about my um, Victorian day and we all went up and we went yep. to this um, stately home and we all had like tea and all that sort of thing. She was like, that's the most English thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did yeah. you, have you ever told her about Kentwell? Where you dress up like a Tudor and there's a whole like theme park. Oh, yeah, we never did it's like those that. Renaissance fairs. Uh, I don't did think you never we do it? No, oh, we, we went we and like... Oh, we also did evacuation day. That was... Oh, yeah. Hilarious. What a, what a joy. Yeah. It's fun we that could... that, can, that can be seen as like a twee little thing. Like, oh, evacuation. Oh, that's fun. Isn't this fun? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it literally no, happens. horrific. Yeah. But what it actually is, is about is, is about indoctrinating children with a sense of patriotism for their country using war trauma as the vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's yeah, <laughs> the night passed, and the next day after dinner, Red Ruth and I were afoot again and on the road. I said goodbye to mother and the cove where I had lived since I was born and the dear old Admiral Benbow, since he was repainted, no longer quite so dear. One of my last thoughts was of the captain who had so often strode along the beach with his cocked hat, his sabre-cut cheek and his old brass telescope. Next moment we had turned the corner and my home was out of sight. The mail picked us up about dusk at the Royal George on the heath. I was wedged in between Red Ruth and a stout old gentleman, and in spite of the swift motion and the cold night air, I must have dozed a great deal from the very first, and then slept like a log up hill and down dale through stage after stage, for when I was awakened at last it was by a punch in the ribs, and I opened my eyes to find that we were standing still before a large building in a city street, and that the day had already broken a long time. Where are we? I asked. Bristol, said Tom. Get down! Mr Trelawney had taken up his residence at an inn far down the docks to superintend the work upon the schooner. Thither we had now to walk, and our way to my great delight lay along the quays, and beside the great multitude of ships of all sizes and rigs and nations. In one, sailors were singing at their work. In another, there were men aloft, high over my head, hanging to threads that seemed no thicker than a spider's. Though I had lived by the shore all my life, I seemed never to have been near the sea till then. The smell of tar and salt was something new. I saw the most wonderful figureheads, that all had been far over the ocean. I saw besides many old sailors with rings in their ears and whiskers curled in ringlets and tarry pigtails and their swaggering clumsy sea walk. And if I had seen as many kings or archbishops, I could not have been more delighted. And I was going to see myself, to see in a schooner with a piping boatswain and pigtailed singing seamen to sea, bound for an unknown island and to seek for buried treasure. While I was still in this delightful dream, we came suddenly in front of a large inn and met Squire Trelawney, all dressed out like a sea officer in stout blue cloth, coming out of the door with a smile on his face and a capital imitation of a sailor's walk. Here you are! he cried, and the doctor came last night from London. Bravo! <laughs> the ship's company complete! Oh, sir, cried I, when do we sail? 
sail, says he. We sail tomorrow. <laughs> End of chapter. <laughs> so again, a little bit of an admin oh, oh, kind of setup scene. So but that was a traveling episode. Yes, it was. But one thing I did enjoy, I did actually enjoy the letter because it's the kind of almost to set up what people who obviously know this story is going to be the calamity later on where Trelawney's obviously very trusting, very naive, even though he's a seaman, he's taking everybody at their word and you're kind of going, you know, oh, he's hired a man with one leg when the captain said, beware a man with one leg. And he's taking all of his advice. He's hiring all the men that he says. And it's like, and then he's even firing the people who he had before who Long John Silver didn't want. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's just, you can just see all these mistakes kind of going on in terms of Trelawney and his nature. Um, so I quite enjoyed reading that just because when your character reference is the fact that somebody has a bank account, <laughs> it's, um, the, the bar's quite low. It feels like the bar's quite low. Because <laughs> what, what was he said? He's, he's, got, he's had a bank account that's never been in, in overdraft. Like, because obviously that's the most immoral thing anybody could ever do with their life, being their overdraft. And... What was what was the other thing? There was something else that he said about he leaves his wife to it. Oh, he's married to a woman of colour, and that's probably why he wants to get away from home. It's <laughs> basically what he said. So a little bit of casual racism kind of thrown yeah. in there as well. Uh, Again, like you didn't you didn't need to mention her ethnicity. Uh, no, exactly. Um, it's like yeah, he wants to like get that's... away from the missus. Oh, why is she really horrible? No, she's black. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine someone saying that? Yeah. <laughs> it is true. Like, I mean, it doesn't really. Luckily, it doesn't happen very often. But like, in the like, I've seen it done in like when they've got comedies. I mean, obviously, the comedy is the person that's making the person that's racist. Yeah. The the the, the joke. I'm being clear here. Yeah. My 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 comedy taste is. I'm sure. Yeah. People know that. And it's and it's always supposed to be that sort of thing where they just like come out with racism. It's like a slap in the face. But it's yes. basically that, isn't it? Like it yeah. was. It's just really funny. They're just like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, Trelawney. I see you. I see I see the attitudes there. But he's oh. not putting himself across t- very well, is he? Trelawney? No. I mean, he he's basically like just... Well, and also just, you can tell how naive and how kind of like plods along he is because after Dr. Livesey basically say, don't say anything, don't say anything, you grave, blah, blah, blah. The opening of this whole thing is, yeah, I told everyone about the treasure and they're all really excited to come along. It's like, he's such a div. Completely. It's, it's quite funny. Like, again, no wonder, like Jim Henson must have read this and just gone, right. The Muppets in it. <laughs> yeah. The Muppets do it. Because it isn't supposed to be funny. No. And there, it, it, there has a lot of severity in it, but it is light. Like, this is why we're able to find so much humour in it, because the yeah, characters yeah. are flawed in such a good way. Um, I'm, th- I'm pretty sure it's intentional. He's almost like the people in that um, Ricky Gervais film, you know, The Invention of Lying. He's oh, yeah. almost yeah. like he it's like he hasn't worked out that people can lie to him. Like, oh, yeah, he lost his leg in the war. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a recommendation. It's like, you don't know that. He's told you yeah, that. You just... don't know that. <laughs> yeah. We invented the DBS check and referenced yeah. it to people like Mr. Trelawney. Exactly that. Exactly that. No, it's true because all the way up to basically the 
80s, we just took people at their word that they'd worked where they'd worked and that they did what they did. I'm happy for Jim's mum. I'm happy that she's been left at least in a good place where she can continue working. Yeah. I hope that Jim has it in his contract that he at least gets a portion of this treasure and isn't just being taken along as free labour. I wouldn't bank on it. No, but, uh, he just seems to be happy to be along for the ha- ride, yeah, exactly. doesn't he? Yeah, going along for the, for the adventure of it. Mm. If I'm honest, I've got no idea. Like, I know we're going to set up for the, for the game in a second, but like... I'm. Mm. We've kind of left it in a place like, okay, we sail tomorrow, but I'm not really sure what to guess, if I'm honest. But go for it, well, Josh. It, you're going to have to make a guess because now is, of course, the time that we play. Guess what? The next chapter's called. It's me this time, isn't it? It is you. What's the ship called again? The Hispaniola. Um, The Hispaniola says... Adios. Brilliant. Even though it hasn't been invented yet. Uh, Trelawney goes on national radio and tells everyone about this adventure. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even have radio. He invents the radio to tell everybody about the trip. <laughs> uh, yeah, remarkably close, David. Um, no. uh, I'm, afraid, yeah. I'm afraid both of you are way off the mark. Oh, because chapter okay. eight is entitled At the Sign of the Spyglass. Not in a million. So, oh, okay. Couldn't have, couldn't have even, yeah. The sign of the spyglass. You could have guessed like, oh, they go for a quick swifter before they set Yeah, I'm thinking, there. yeah, the spyglass, is, it, is that a pub? Is that like a... Well, it was the name Fisherman's of a part of the bar. island, but they're not there yet. So, yeah. No, but that's what I mean, because I don't think it's that. Is that where they're meeting? Is that where they're meeting all the lads? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, meet, it's like meet it's, at Weatherspoon. It's, yeah. it's the nag's head, isn't it? Yeah. The sign of the spyglass. Hmm. That's what I'm thinking anyway. Well, if you've got any thoughts or opinions on this chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Um, or if you've got any other suggestions about how Trelawney can get the message out there to the people of the world, <laughs> tell us on Twitter at lazybookclubpod. Send us a picture too on Instagram. Lazybookclubpod. <laughs> Anything. Just it, Send us a picture to too on. Yeah. <laughs> a, picture, a picture of this mug. Just like, anything. Why not? Just, yeah. Why not embrace the? We're just happy to be a part of your life. Could you yeah. imagine the devastation that Trelawney could wield if he had modern communication technology? Like if he had a mobile phone, could you imagine yeah. what he would? Oh my goodness! He'd be, he'd be, like, live in it. He'd be doing GPS go by step me. updates as to where he is, <laughs> he'd wouldn't he? Fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> so he's a vlogger. <laughs> He'd probably end up posting photos of the map and be like, oh, look what I just found. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> and he gets there and everyone else has already taken the treasure. Yeah. Oh, dear. What a liability. Absolute liability. Well, we look forward to seeing more madness from him. We're also on Patreon, where for the very small fee of $3 a month, you get an extra episode every month. Last month, we had David as our narrator. So for the first time. Very much worth Blockbuster. checking out. He it does a great Australian Sheila accent in it. Uh, otherwise, we will see you next week for Chapter 8, The Sign at the Spyglass. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Ta-ra.